I'm Alan Kogan. Join me as I share samples of whiskey with my guests and get to know them better. Welcome to the Kogan Conversation. Well, Phil, it's uh, a pleasure to have you here. Thanks for coming on. Oh, no, it's my pleasure. You know, it's good to catch up. We haven't seen each other in over a year since, what, Fort Jackson? Yeah, Fort Jackson, South Carolina. We went to base it together in 2021. Yeah, yeah, that was a strange time to be alive with COVID going on, right? Yeah, exactly. Let's start with a, just a, a brief bio. Who is Philip Danley? Oh, I mean, that's an existential question, but in layman's term, I'm just a common person like everybody else. I'm a transportation manager for a trucking company, I live in Columbus, Ohio, and I'm a part of the National Guard, and I'm down here in D.C. for the next year. Hey, it's good to have a fellow Midwesterner on. So for this episode, I've selected various single malt whiskeys for you to try, and we're going to start with a local favorite from Wisconsin. So the Door County Distillery's Single Malt American Whiskey. A little background on them first. Door County Distillery is Door County's first distillery since Prohibition and opened in 2011. They specialize in small batch spirits made from local Wisconsin ingredients, and it's connected to their fantastic Door Peninsula Winery. Now, this craft distillery and winery hold a special place in my heart as I've spent tons of time up in Door County, speci uh, specifically Sturgeon Bay, as a kid since my grandparents retired up there. Uh, once I became a fan of wine and whiskey, I would always love stopping there with family for free tastings of both wine and spirits. But this specific single malt is made using 100% barley from the shipwrecked uh, brew pub microbrewery in Egg Harbor. And it comes in at about 40% ABV, and it's only available in Wisconsin. So, cheers, man. Enjoy. Yeah, that is smooth. Not quite as smooth as Aaron Rodgers' release though of the football. Okay, <laughs> I mean it's from Wisconsin. It's gotta, it's gotta be similar to that, but not as good. <laughs> You're the second person to come on the podcast who has to personally attack my quarterback, who's not my quarterback anymore. I mean, being fair, okay, I grew up a Green Bay Packers fan. You know, short story: my uncle gave me a Green Bay Packers Tasmanian Devil backpack for Christmas one year, so that okay. that kickstarted my uh, Green Bay Packers. But then I grew up in Jacksonville, Florida, moved away. Got to keep the hometown team. Go Trevor Lawrence, go Jaguars. <laughs> That's fair. So you, you grew up in Florida, uh, where you're in Ohio now, but you're out here in D.C. for a little stint. Are you still in Ohio? Is that your what you call home? Yeah, that is my permanent residence right now is Ohio. I mean, to call it my home, that's eh, a little bit hard to do. I mean, I've been there for... About 12 years now, but I also spent 12 years in Florida, so it's kind of one of those 50-50 things. Sure, sure. Okay. But what do you think about this? I, I know you said it's smooth. It comes in at about 40% alcohol. Uh, to me, it's very sweet for a, for a whiskey, but what do you think? I do. I can taste it being sweet. Um, don't drink as often as I used to, but I can also feel a little bit of a kick at the tail end, almost like a little bit of a bitter. Yeah. So, but yeah, smooth, sweet with a kick of bitter at the end, but it's very, it's almost like a, what I would do for like a daily, almost like a daily pour. Mm -hmm. If I wanted to have some whiskey at the end of the day, this is something I'd probably go with. I got a ton of honeyed caramel on this. It, it's sweet, but it, it's very, very simple. I wouldn't necessarily choose this off of my shelf for a daily sipper, um, but more so as like a palate compass for something like you, who, who's new to whiskey, it kind of mm -hmm. helps, uh, you know, pivot to where, you know, you would understand what your references and your palate would be. This is a very basic, basic uh, attempt at copying scotch. I think this would actually be fantastic 
as a like a, in a scotch based cocktail this whiskey isn't very overpowering in flavor so it but it's smooth and it, it's sweet and adds enough of that sweetness in to give some complexity to a cocktail and uh actually if i may this 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 could give some context to what this whiskey is and how it fits in the the, the realm of whiskeys in uh, the united states this single malt whiskey follows the same path that most american whiskeys that aren't bourbon take it's a copy of scotch and the process and ingredients that scotch whiskey uses with a very distinct difference most american whiskeys like door county's spirit don't use pot stills like its scottish counterpart and it has more free reign to play with the distillation process and, and ingredients and flavors etc cetera, etc cetera, um, than bourbon or rye because those are bound by several federal laws this is just a, 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 a free-reign American whiskey that's made in kind of mimics the, the Scottish process, obviously using barley, which is a big ingredient for Scotch whiskeys. Who do you consider your hero? Who do you look up to? Hmm. That's a that's a good question. You know, I I never really thought of it as much, and I know a lot of kids, especially boys, would say their dad and. He's definitely a man I look up to a lot, but being in that we're both in the army right now, a lot of what I look up to right now and is my grandfather who served in World War II, um, was always active in the community, remember growing up, would always donate blood, and he was always very active with his old division from World War II. Sadly, he passed away 11 years ago, and being a dumb teenager as I was, I didn't take opportunity to actually learn of what he did. So I've done a little bit of research uh, figured out this battalion that he was in, the division, uh, looked over the, where they mapped through Europe. They actually took as a talk um, Hitler's childhood home. Mm. Whoa. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of neat. It, it, it's, a, it's a neat fact. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm branched as an officer in the air defense artillery. Um, my grandfather was in an armored division, but his battalion was a armored filled artillery division. So I'm finding similar notes in my path a little bit compared to his i think he ended up as a chief warrant for as an engineer though okay yeah interesting hitler's childhood home where was that was that austria i believe it was austria um it was during their rhinelands campaign i think it was after the battle of Ruhr pocket okay. which they were involved with not a good light on the division of what happened there <laughs> but uh they were involved with it okay okay that's cool so you would say your grandfather yeah i'm gonna say my grandfather just just looking back at what he did in his life and everything, it's, he was a stand-up guy. And you know, you know, if my dad ever does listen to this, I I always look up to him. I'm always gonna call him for advice. I call him every day. And then also, his dad did a lot of badass things too. You know, he was in the Air Force. He was also a captain of a chartered like boat to like take people out fishing. And he worked for NASA and Florida Power and Lights. And you know, you know, back in the like the 40s the 50s and the 60s like so many cool things happen that we just don't even you know comprehend nowadays like we was like oh i wish we can do that but you know our grandparents actually did those things and we just don't realize it and then the older we get right and we find out about it we're like oh it's cool man it's awesome yeah you know and like there's so many questions you know i need to go back and you know link up with my dad's dad and just talk to him about what he's done in life and just you know, he was stationed over in Korea, Okinawa, uh, maybe not Korea, but definitely Okinawa. He was there um, during the Korean War and that, you know. Wow. Really cool things. And it's kind of funny because you, you, you say that out loud and it doesn't seem real. Maybe we watch movies, we see TV shows, we read books. 
Um, I mean, I have family who's been in the military and has done cool things too, but you never experience that. And especially today, the, the difference that we deal with in our military career will never be even remotely as hard or as, as reminiscent as what that, that thing that they did, right? Absolutely. I mean, you know as well as I do, especially when we do field training exercises. You're infantry, I'm ADA, so I don't even get half the stuff that you guys get. <laughs> yeah. But we like to bitch and moan at the smallest things possible, oh, and yeah. we we have to fake it until we make it, and then we look back maybe like a week later, a month later, and it's like, you know what, it actually wasn't that bad, but it was a it was a good time, in the, but in the moment it sucked. Yeah, right, yeah. right. No, I, I'll, yeah, all the all the nights sleeping in the, on the ground in the cold, uh, it sucked, but you know, I, I get to meet cool people and have cool experiences, and you know, it makes it a little tougher, but. Not as tough as fighting on the front lines of Korean War, World War Two. Yeah. Fuck that. Yeah. No. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> and I, I don't. I don't know if my uh, grandfather and you know, you know, my dad's dad. I don't know if he was on the front line. He was just over in Okinawa. Yeah. Well, either um, way. You know, my dad was over there. Actually, fun fact about my dad is he's been on every single continent with the Air Force. Like, just you know, not stationed there, but as touch foot in every single continent. And I was like, oh, that's a cool fact. I wish <laughs> I could do that. <laughs> that is cool. Every single. I've only been on one continent here <laughs> yeah just north america i yeah. mean i've I've, uh, I've touched technically geographically three yeah but politically only in two oh. yeah, yeah it's it's weird because the canary islands they're owned by spain right right but geographically they're in the african continent that's true yeah so i'm, I'm never gonna say oh i've been to africa because i haven't but i have been on the african continent via the canary islands okay okay interesting If you could be president for 24 hours, U.S. president for 24 hours, what would you do? The fun answer would be to have a national taco eating contest because who doesn't <laughs> love tacos? Um, but if I did um, have a policy, I would actually start on the home front in D.C. first. I mean, just walking around D.C. today, like I'm seeing like trash bins full of trash, overfilling. Is I'd, I'd fix that first. D.C. is the, the place for the people to see their government work for them as public servants, but yet we can't even keep our own house clean. Right. Like, you know, I'm walking around, I'm like, man, these monuments are cool, but like the surrounding areas are just filthy. Like, and it's one thing for construction. I know constructions need to be done to buildings to keep up with the infrastructure, everything up to date. That's, that's cool. But just like, just the basic stuff, like why don't we have people keeping the streets clean? You know? Sure. I mean, that's such a basic, it's 101. That's what we learn in basic training, OCS, keep your shit clean. You know, keep your area clean. You know, bed's always made. Your shirts are rolled in the right place. Your your footlocker's clean. But we can't even hold that true in our nation's capital. That's I a mean, good point. So is that going to take up all 24 hours? Is that going to take up all 24 hours? Also, how do you do it? How do I? Yeah, that, that's the, that's the golden question. How do you do it? And how do you do it to where it makes sense for everybody to agree with it? Well, also, remember, you're not God King. You don't just have a magic wand. You are the president under the current structure. President under the current structure. So, like, 24 hours, you, you're done. So either you have a bunch of fun and just do stupid things. Like, I'm going to go visit the Congo because I can. Mm. Or, well... 
<laughs> I mean, to be honest, if I was president, I'd probably resign within the first 24 hours because I don't want to put up with that shit. Um, <laughs> that's that's the best answer. <laughs> it's it's a it's a divided house right now. Nothing's ever going to get done and no one's seeing eye to eye on anything. So, like, if I'm going to be president for 24 hours, I'm resigning because nothing's going to get done. Me and my friends have talked about having a cool reality show where you, uh, you it's the premise that you're your president for 24 hours. But um, it's like The Bachelor and you just keep on picking new people. So every 24 hours, Secret Service busts in someone's door and it's a national lottery. So your name is picked out of a hat. Oh, you're president. They kick down your door and they bring you to the White House. They brief you for two hours. The next 24 hours is yours. Do it. Figure it out. And everyone's policies prior to you took took hold. So the prior guy's 24 hours is in place. So if he had signed an executive order that said whatever, I guess you could reverse it. But... Be kind of fun to watch yeah that would be that'd be that'd be interesting to watch the very will would be interesting to watch and this is going to be like a seesaw back and forth right i'd pay to watch it i probably paid to watch it. yeah <laughs> netflix if you're listening yeah pick this up pick this up <laughs> 10 years go by i'll reference this podcast and then i want to get royal royalties um all right well you ready for an example yeah let's go all right, well, dating back to 1825, Edgar Dorr stands alone as the last stronghold of handmade single malt whiskey from a farm distillery still in production today. Edgar Dorr is one of Scotland's smallest distilleries, and this 10-year-old Eastern Highlander is one of my absolute favorites. So what we're sampling here is the Edgar Dorr 10-year distillery edition. This single malt's 10 years was spent in a combination of Oloroso sherry and bourbon casks, giving it a unique character. It goes for about $50, and I mean, if you can find it, it's many larger liquor stores with a good selection should have it, but don't expect it in your local small corner store. What are your thoughts? Very sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very sweet. Especially compared to this, the Door County single malt. I, and I've, I've always loved this one for how much of a, a sherry bomb it really is. Really complex with fruity sweetness and actually comes across more like a rum. Uh, than a scotch. I'll note too that this is noticeably darker than the, uh, the Door County. I'd assume just, you know, from the aging so long in, in sherry casks. I'm not sure how much it's aged in sherry and bourbon. I would assume it's aged for a period of time, probably eight years in the bourbon barrels. Does it say what type of barrel that they use? Was it like an oak? So you, most scotches are American oak. I'm going to see what the bottle says. Yeah, and this having been bourbon barrel, uh, bourbon barrels are only American oak. And then a remainder of the time in sherry, just to give it that that that, that sweet flavor and the, and, the, and the darkness and the spirit. Uh, but I'm not sure that they don't disclose that <laughs> breakdown of the aging. Who's your favorite musician? That is hard. So I listen to a lot of music just on like different playlists at sure. a given time. So I knit. Sometimes I'll hear a song and not realize he does it. Yeah. And uh, I'll tell you what I'm on a kick for right now is uh, I've been on a kick with uh, Bailey Zimmerman and Morgan Wallen. Okay. Yeah, just pop country, I know, but, you know, yeah. it's it's fun. It's good for the summer. So Yeah. yeah. Okay. Favorite sports team? You can go with Jacksonville Jaguars right now. Okay. You're supposed to say Packers, but okay. No, Packers are a close second. <laughs> if I can have a dream Super Bowl to go to, it would be Packers v. Jacksonville. Uh, okay. Favorite food? You can go with the Zaw. Zaw pizza. Right. Yeah, I yeah. appreciate that. Uh, if you could have any superpower, what would it be? Teleportation. Teleportation. I like it. 
Yeah. It's more efficient than flying. Exactly. Everyone says flying. And if you're really good with teleportation, you can actually do the effect of flying just by doing short distance of teleportation. Sure, sure. Okay. Uh, what about a go-to beverage? Now, if you asked me like two months ago, I would have said bang. That's <laughs> my go-to beverage. God. Um, uh, but right now, it's probably been, I'm a bit on a monster kick again. Not not because like of the caffeine, but to me, monster is more of like a juice now, just because I've caffeine doesn't do a lot for me anymore that sounds healthy yeah no huh? <laughs> yeah, i'm surprised my heart hasn't hasn't exploded from the amounts of caffeine i drink <laughs> or intake via grind packets you know yeah um, it'll, it'll catch up to you uh yeah eventually <laughs> what is your biggest fear oh that's they were getting to know you getting so. to know you oh, i mean <laughs> I, I mean i guess the biggest fear i have would be being alone you know for you know and, and it's not the fact that I can't handle myself alone, you know, like I can, I can definitely do that. But like, just imagine, you know, God forbid we get in a large scale combat operation. Let's go. Cause I know that gets thrown out at you all the time. Um, but just the fact and the psychological batter, battle that you would have to do if you got stranded behind enemy lines by yourself. Yeah. You know, the helplessness of just not knowing who's around you, not having any of your battles with you. Um, and like, and when I think of it in terms of alone, just like no forms of communication outside either. So like right now I can be by myself up in my like bedroom and I can call my dad and talk to my dad. Sure. Call my sister. I can talk to my sister. I can call a friend, talk to them. So I'm not actually alone. I have other forms of communication means to get in touch with people if I really want to talk to someone. Sure. But like, and alone in the sense of there's no forms of communication you can have, you're you're in an unfamiliar space with people you don't know, don't trust, or you just no one's around. Okay, that's pretty deep. Yeah, I mean it, it's 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 very deep, and you know, but I think everybody shares that similar like I, yeah. thought. You know, no one ever wants to be alone. No, like truly alone. Like there are times where people want to be by themselves to like contemplate and think on like deep subjects or just like. They don't have the mental capacity to deal with crowds or people to be around, you know, or they're just not feeling well. They're right. just like, I need to decompress. There's a difference between decompressing by yourself and being truly alone. Sure. If you could travel through time, where would you go? What would you do? If I can travel through time. I mean, that's just going to go back to where, like, you know, not even that far back, like just 2005 2008 sometime around then where i actually sit down like knowing what i know now i talk with my grandfather's like hey tell me about battle of her pocket uh tell me about your time and like going to the Rhinelands in europe your train up you know like all of that but that's just yeah. what i know now you yeah. know like that's what i would want to do you know talk to my grandfather you know or being able to get him in a room with my other grandfather and just talk to both of them and have them both share their stories of like when they were in the service and what they did specifically because, uh, you know, another cool fact about my grandfather is when World War II came around, he lied about his age to enlist. He was like 15 or 16 when he enlisted wow. for World War II. <laughs> yeah. And he did uh, he did his maneuver drills on Soldier Field in Chicago with wagon-drawn artillery. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's a good answer. That's See, I'm, maybe I'm just selfish. I would be like, you know, I, I want to go back in time and, you know, sports bet. I mean, I mean, you saw what that can do. You know, didn't you watch Back to the Future Part Two? I mean, come on, Marty McFly had the same idea. It didn't turn out too well. I know, I know, I know.
with a singable happy beer. All right, so this final pour is an absolute treat and one of the most accessible higher age statement scotches out there. The older the whiskey, the more expensive it'll be, but Glen Farkless has kept its older spirits more reasonable. You can find this for around 220 to 280, depending on where you are. And, but as far as availability, same situation as Edredor. Uh, it'll be in some larger stores that have a larger selection, but it, it won't be everywhere. This Highland single malt spent all 25 of its years in Oloroso sherry casks, making it a perfect after dinner dessert. So cheers, man. Enjoy. Cheers. A lot smoother. Not as sweet, though. Right. But good. I do like it. You know, right off the rip, I would say, if you are new to whiskeys but wanted something for, like, a special occasion and not looking to break the bank, this would be a good go-to. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Mm. I get more sweet in the back end with this. The more it sits on my mouth, the more it kind of doesn't have that leftover alcoholic taste like a lot of scotches do. Yeah, it doesn't have that like that bitter. Yeah. I get a really, really long, sweet finish on this with sherry being the prevalent flavor, of course, but not nearly as strong as the Edredor. This has also got some unique chocolate notes I can't place, but it's the fun of doing these back-to-back. You'd think that this having spent 25 years in sherry would make it that much more sweet and sherry than the Edredor that we just had, but its age just makes it more complex. Yeah, I'm, I'm not someone who has... A super taste palette like a chef or something like that but i'm sure a chef probably could pin all those out that's the weird thing about whiskey tasting is that you know it's all about relative like referential taste you have from other things right yeah so if you have a really refined palate you like a chef would um you've tasted all these things and other ingredients when you come to this your brain kind of picks up on something that you've had before it goes oh that tastes like nutmeg oh that tastes like chocolate but a lot of people have to get by that initial alcoholic burn because mm. it's scotch and you're like, oh, this tastes like scotch. So, I mean, it's almost like coffee. Like not a lot of people can grab a glass of like black coffee and be like, oh, I can taste this right. different bean. But me who drinks a whole bunch of coffee and I only drink black coffee now is I can tell different bean flavors, a different quality of coffee. And it's like, okay, this is a good coffee. Yeah. This is a cheap coffee. Yeah. You know. Also, how long it's been on the coffee burner, too. You know, it's, it's like for like 12 hours on a coffee burner. It's probably not going to taste good either. No. All right. So out of the three, which one do you enjoy the most? I'm going to go with the Edredor. Edredor. Edredor was, the, I, I mean, I think just the sweetness right up front was mm-hmm. what, what got me on it. I mean, that yeah, that's going to be the favorite one of the three for sure. But the, the 25 aged... That was pretty damn good, too. But I'd probably keep that for, like, special occasions. Yep. You know, not, like, big occasions, but, like, smaller occasions. But still occasions, nonetheless. <laughs> you know, you just got a job promotion. Yeah. Break that out. Yeah. You know, it's not one of the ones I would break out if I just had a kit. You know, I'd probably splurge a little bit more on, sure. on something like that, like a, a lifetime event. But, you know, minor events, like you just got a promotion, you just got a pay raise. Yeah. That's a that's a good one to break out for like other life events. I usually save it for like when I get home on a Monday. It's an accomplishment. <laughs> that's a that's a big accomplishment making it past Monday. Okay, finished Monday. So like you got Monday, and then Tuesday is known in my book as Monday number two, and then there's Hump Day. 
Exactly. Yeah. It's 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 Monday, Monday, Hump Day, Friday Eve, and Friday. Yes. And do you have any advice or thoughts for the people who might be listening? A lot of people, including myself, like to rush to conclusions without taking time to just realize what another party is saying or what's actually going on. So, I mean, for me, what's been on my mind is just trying to slow it down. Mm. You know, be able to intake all the information, being able to process it properly and not jump to a specific conclusion because, you know, you jump to a specific conclusion, you're very well likely to make an ass of yourself. And I've done that plenty of times. I mean, I feel like a lot of people has done that plenty yeah. of times. And we always go about our days like, oh, it's a mistake, it just happened. But learning how to slow things down. You know, obviously you have to keep at a, a good pace still. But even just taking that extra two, three, sometimes five seconds, a tactical pause as you may. You know, we've all heard that before being in the military. Oh yeah. Um, but just applying it to real life is just slowing things down. Or even when you get an email and you like we're so used to skim reading, sometimes you just have to slow down in your day and read that full entire email to actually get a good idea of what's actually going on. Right. You know, you can apply that to politics, you can apply that to your financial situation. Really utilizing just a spare few seconds to just process a situation is gonna save you in the long run in any any part of your life, whether it's you know, cards, whether it's work, whether it's your financial situation, whether it's just your relationship with a friend, significant other, your parents, siblings, you know, yeah. taking that slight pause. It's good advice. Yeah. I could, I could, I could listen to that. <laughs> I, I can definitely listen to that. And it's just something I think about and, you know, I'm not the best at following it because, you know, I, I go through and I find myself just snapping off right real quick. You know, you have that snap off, that pop off answer. Yep. And then realizing, oh, God, I just made myself look like a giant ass. Right. You know. Or it comes across as, like, the way that you didn't mean it. You Like, you, you have something, you have good faith behind it, but you didn't take that tactical pause and phrase it the right way. Yeah, and sometimes, you know, you catch it in the moment, and then you have to, like, take the tactical pause after, which still works, but not as effective. And just be like, hey, yeah. this is, like, I know how it came off. I didn't mean for it to sound that way. And you're, like, kind of explaining, it's like, this is what I actually meant. Right. You know. Right. Okay. What is something that, as you're as you're comfortable to share, something painful that has shaped your character in your life? Uh, something painful that has shaped my life. So far. So far. <laughs> I mean, there, there there's a lot of things that can shape my life. I think uh, something that like, and you probably could pick this up on like the the way that I've been answering questions on this is like having to process when my grandfather passed on the day of my high school graduation was like. It's hard and it's something that, you know, like the passing of a, someone, you know, close to you or even just a, like a grandparent or family member is hard. And like, I don't think I've actually fully processed that until the older I get and just looking back on like things that I've done in my life that I wish I could have gone back and talked to and just like how much I realized I missed out on as a young adult or a young teenager um, gaining experience or, you know, a lot of insight from someone who's been through the Great Depression, who went through the 80s inflation, who went through World War II, the Korean War, Vietnam, um, and 
experience that firsthand while starting a family and raising a family and just being able to take that information in as a teenager. Um, and granted, a lot of people, you know, realize that in their 20s and have that opportunity to go back. But I never had that opportunity to go back to my grandparents, you know, at least my on my mom's side of the family. Um, and like, I'm just like realizing that now that I'm, I'm in the army, I'm in DC and like now it's like, I can, I'm slowly decompressing and like processing that and doing my own research on it. Um, you know, if I ever need thought or clarity or just to make myself feel like maybe feel better or just to have that memory, I can always go to Arlington to see where him and my grandmother are interned at. So, um, that would just be like kind of shape my life in like kind of a, like more of a psychological way, like things I didn't realize I was missing out on or what I can go back and look on and like now that I'm 29 thinking like man I need to really start like decompressing this like out of my life um I will always have there always have a memory to look back on and history records that I can find but you know I can't just like live life saying what if I, I gotta like you know kind of think logically about it. it's like what would he do in this situation what did he do when I was younger and just kind of like pick up on what I you know experienced and saw when I was you know preteen and teenager yeah, no, I can I can relate to that quite a bit. I, I so I fortunately had a little bit more time with my grandfather. Um, he just passed in December, mm-hmm. and uh, he abruptly got cancer mm-hmm. and took him pretty quick. He was such a big part of my life, especially my childhood. He taught me how to tie knots. He taught me how to sail. He taught me. He was in the army, mm-hmm. um, but he was so philanthropic. And so, if someone asked me who who do I think of when I I asked you earlier about uh, who a hero is. I probably agree with you. It's probably my grandfather, but only because he was such a good man. He was very, <laughs> very simple, but in the best type of way. He would. He was a. He was philanthropic. He would give. He would uh, give. He donated a lot of time to the, the the local museum. That's probably the most painful thing that's happened to me in recent memory. And it's it's funny because we look back on like people we've lost, and you know I, I've probably cried more and been more upset for one like a. a a dog or a cat passes away mm-hmm. which i don't know it's just some kind of special bond we have with animals but then when someone who like a grandfather or a parent that it hits in such a deeper different way that i have yet to process i literally he he passed away in december i was going to bullock on january uh, 16th and the funeral was january 14th mm-hmm. so i flew back home went to the funeral i was in uniform for the funeral Went, uh, drove back home, and then drove to, uh, drove to Benning, within 24 hours, and then went to Benning and trained for those six or those 19 weeks. And it's like, yeah, I haven't processed that yet. And then, you know, it's like, okay, maybe it'll hit me when I go back home, and he's not there. Nope, still feels like I could pick up the phone right now and call him. I, yeah, I, there, there were gates at Bullock or at training where I was like, hey, I'm doing this cool army thing. He's always been interested in what I'm doing. I'm gonna call him and tell him about it. Oh shit, I can't. Yeah, and, and for me, it would be one thing, because growing up, I like, I had no intention of joining the military. Even though my grandfather was in, in the Army on my mom's side, and my dad's dad, he was in the Air Force, my dad was in the Air Force, um, I had no intention originally of joining the military. I think talking with my dad while I was at Cedarville University, he kind of convinced me, like, oh, maybe you should give ROTC a try. And I kind of haphazardly did that. You know, I couldn't keep up with grades, ROTC, and track, so I was like, what am I going to cut out? 
Oh, right. I'm going to cut, cut out ROTC. <laughs> um, and then, like, it kind of, like, while I was in ROTC, I kind of picked up a little bit more of a drive to eventually do it. And, you know, I was probably going to do it after I had graduated and, uh, uh, you know, other life stances got in the way, like, during my senior year and my fifth year at college. And I had to wait a few times, but I eventually got in. So, like, now I'm glad. So, like, my grandfather never really thought that I would end up joining the Army or the Air Force because I just didn't really have an intent to. Um, kind of wish he could see me now so I can relate to it. Sure. Yeah, I can talk to him about it and he'd be able to give me some advice. And, you know, he'd probably be like, oh, you need to quit your bitching and moaning. Just go ahead and do it back in my day. <laughs> and, and I remember, uh, I think the, the most iconic answer I ever got from him when I asked him what he did in World War II, he'd always tell me he was a ditch digger. Uh, you know, I dug I dug ditches. I'm like, well, how fast do you have to dig ditches? And his his go-to answer was, faster than the Germans can shoot at us. That's fair. And that's that's a very valid point. <laughs> um, so and there there's that. You know, like I'm and I'm like you were saying, you haven't processed your grandfather's death yet. And it's, it's, it takes time, and it, it takes a lot of time to really you know fully comprehend it. Mm -hmm. Um, but for me, like I was just out in Arlington, I think maybe 10 days ago with my friend Dakota. Um, he's, he's another Lieutenant in the unit that I'm in that's out here. And, uh, you know, I was walking up to where my grandfather's interned at, you know, like I was talking to him about him and you just like mentioning him, but like, you know, I found myself like trying to hold back tears, you sure. know, just like, you know, just small tears. So like, just like thinking that like, man, I really wish he was here. Like, yeah. I wish I can talk to him now that I'm a little bit mature, like the answers he can give me and, you know, or just, what can say and you know i was on facebook i think i found them about a year ago but for his division which was the 13th armored black cats they have a little facebook association page and it was it was really warming to know um because i messaged them while i was out here now i didn't message them last year because i was busy with working and i couldn't go to the events they've been putting on last year was hoping that they would have a like a reunion event out in dc like they did last year so they had last year the there was two surviving members of that division, both over 100 years old, out in D.C. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, came out and they did a little ceremony out at Arlington and at, at Fort Belvoir at the the U.S. Army Museum. And it's like, I'm hoping they do something again this year so I can participate. But I was able to reach out to them and I was told tell them, hey, my grandfather was in this division. He was in this battalion in this company. And they reached out to me and they they'd say, hey, what, what was his name? So I gave him a name and they it's like, oh, we... Like we know, we know him. Well, like you know, Claire and Ruth. How are they doing? And that, like, I had to like you know, kind of break it down. It's like, wow. well, sadly, like, you know, my grandfather passed away in 2012, and then shortly after, his wife passed away in 2014. And sure. they were interned at Arlington. And I was, you know, from what I can told them, like from what I can remember, they were very active with the reunions and in the community. And they said, yes, they were very active. They were really well liked, um, with everybody at the reunions, which is just great to know that, like. Like, just someone else holds that memory of them, you know, like, they probably knew him a lot more than I did, you sure. know, you know, I'm 18, you know, who, <laughs> who thinks of, oh, I'm get to go to grandma and grandpa's, like, when you're 16, 17, and 18, you're like, no, I want to go out and hang out with my friends. Yeah, right, right. You know, but like, just knowing that someone knew, knew them very well, and were able to tell me like, yeah, they were very active, they were very well liked in, in the community over here, and, you know, were very helpful. It's just great to know, and, and it's astounding to know, like, how great of a man, you know, my grandfather was and you know how great of a man my other grandfather is currently and i think of who are the great men in today's society like are they really that great in comparison to like our grandparents right like yeah there are some great men but in my opinion 
even great men today pale in comparison to most of the great men from that generation. Sure. You know, they were able to look out for their community. You know, they help people build houses. They help people with food. They help people internationally. You know, like realistically, there was a world war. They helped literally free everybody who was interned in concentration camps. Sure. You know, sure. I, I, I talked to my dad just the other day about going to the Holocaust Museum eventually while I'm out here. I never got a chance to do it when I was in D.C. about 10 years ago. And he said, and I think we came to D.C. when I was five, so I don't remember any of this, but they went to the Holocaust Museum and while my grandfather was walking through, he had to walk out. He, he couldn't, because he actually lived through that. You know, he was there. He was on like boots on the ground there. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, if I had to go through that, if I would be able to go through a full museum piece on it, like, I think it's a great museum. I think everybody, when they are mature enough, should go through that museum. Yes. Um, myself, including, I, um, I'm planning on going through it, hopefully, if not next week, within the next two weeks of going there. But it's a great museum, but it is it, it, it does. It does strike a chord in a different level of your humanity than I ever expected it to. You read about it, mm-hmm. but the Holocaust Museum does a really good job of showing you. And it's a whole other level. So, yeah. Wow. But that, that's cool, though, that, that, that they knew him and that his memory lives on and people who, whose lives that he touched. I mean, obviously, your family, so that's one thing. But yeah. to hear from that in a different aspect of his life, that's pretty cool. Yeah, no, that's it's, it's great. It's like, it's like, uh, say you were really good at sport, right? And you always have your dad saying, oh, you're doing a great job, son. But like, you're like, yeah, but you're my dad. You're my dad. But you're when biased. someone else, like, say, like, you, you were playing football against your rival's team, but someone from the other team's parents then came up to you and was like, son, you had a really good game. Like, you know, like a, someone yep. else's parents, like, it's like, I know you're at a rival school, but I can't wait to watch you go to college and play in college. Yeah. You know, like, it's like one of those things hits, like, for my grandpa. It's like, they were well-liked. They were great people. Yep. They will be missed early. And I'm like, oh, that's like, it's like, it strikes a hardcore there. Yeah. It's like external affirmation. Exactly. All right. I'm going to give this last question to my good friend, the late, great James Lipton. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Well, in my opinion, heaven does exist. You know, you know, I, I was raised in the church and yeah, I still hold to it. I may not be the best Christian in the world. I Actually, I can tell you for sure I'm not the best Christian in the world. <laughs> but I would like God to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. That would be you know, one thing, and you know, that's something I, I struggle with, like, you know, personally being that good, you know, like what is, the, what am I to say what a good Christian is, right? Sure. You know, but there are, there are key factors that I know that I fall short of, of what an actual good Christian is. And like, and part of it is not taking that tactical pause and like, you know, someone says something to you and all you want to do is like snap back right at them. Right. Okay. And I'm not saying you always have to turn the other cheek. No, I'm not saying that. But there is like, if it's just a petty comeback that someone says to you, there, you can you can let that go. You don't have to one up them or go for a kill shot. And that's that's my personality. Is I like I think things. And I just like I don't want it to continue on. I just want to like stamp it out right away. So I I'm the type of guy who goes for the kill shot. Sure. And yeah, that definitely bites me back a whole lot more like than that. Um, but yeah, if I can ever you know attain to be a great man, you know. And not just by the world standards, but by like the Bible standard, by God's standard, 
I mean, I need to work on being more philanthropic. Actually being able to say, and this is what I want to build up to, is being able to literally, if I ever had to, take the shirt off my back and give it to someone else. And like, you know, it's not a left wing or right wing agenda. It's being an overall good person, being able to take care of your community and being that godly example yeah. to someone, you know, showing compassion and being, you know, sympathetic and compassionate and understanding of what's going on in other people's lives. Like, I don't know everything about you, your background. I know a decent, some amount, you know, from the time we sent, spent in basic and what we're talking about now. And, you know, a little, little bit more about me from basic training and then now. Yep. Um, but you still don't know everything about me, you know, a decent amount about me. I don't know everything about you. So it's like the whole, whole like, oh, that guy's just a terrible person. But do you really know if he's an actual terrible person or just having a bad day or having an extremely bad day? You know, like right. you don't know the background in everybody's life. So it's, it's that tactical pause. It's like being compassionate, being understanding, being willing to listen and sympathize to an extent. And if they really are just doing something bad, you know, maybe just talking to them and be like, hey, man, maybe you shouldn't be doing that. You know, like, I don't know what's going on in your, in your thing. And I can maybe understand a little bit of why you're doing that, but still not doesn't make it right. Right. You know, right. you know, you know, I feel like back in the day, people could point out what's good or what's bad. And, you know, even with a sympathetic mind, it's like, hey, that's probably not the good. But everything has gone so postmodern. Right. In today's society, it's like there's no clear definition anymore. Right. In my opinion, and the, and that's the hard thing. Um, and it's like I'm like I'm trying not to snap at people, but like sometimes like you know something's bad, but they're like they don't understand that it's bad because of what they, like the generational differences that's been happening. Right. Well, hey, uh, Phil, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for coming on. Uh, any uh, any last words for the audience, or for me? You'd say no. No, I got, I got something. Okay. Do Vol County. What is that? Jacksonville Jaguars, baby. God, do Jesus Christ. <laughs> go, 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 Packers. Go Jets. I don't know what to do. Yeah, you're, you're in a split conundrum with Aaron Rodgers getting over to the Jets. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna tell you what. I think you're gonna hear it here first, folks. I think. Jordan Love is actually going to surprise some people. Yeah. I think the Packers have a winning season, but still miss the playoffs. Okay. I accept that. I think you're probably right. I think I think he's, I think Jordan Love is carried by the team. He's going to be fine, but he's not going to be a phenom. Jordan Love is going to be a modern-day Blake Bortles of the 2017 Jaguars. That's such a specific take. I think that's probably right, though. God. Okay, <laughs> I'll take it. It's, yeah. be- it's better than nothing. I mean, honestly, if it's like the 2017 Jaguars, you guys make the NFC Championship. <sighs> we'll see about that. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a little bit of a stretch, but it'll be quite similar to that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Phil, thanks for coming on, man. No, no, it's been my pleasure. It's good to see you. It's nice seeing you too, man. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this conversation, please like, share, and follow. Word of mouth is our best friend right now. We appreciate you help growing our platform. Next, I'll be exploring some of my favorite bonded bourbons. Bottle and Bond is a unique history with U.S. law and whiskey. And on August 19th, I'll be sitting down with my good friend Nathan Hogg to enjoy some great bourbon and to get to know him better. 
Cheers. 